Hello, dear star shines. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Lunchtime Chats. We'll give everybody some time to get on board. Uh, for those of you who are new listening to this recording or live, my name is Christina and I'm an acceleration expert. That is a consciousness acceleration expert. And we are here to talk about those topics and issues that are significant for us starseeds, wayshowers, new paradigm visionaries. We have capacities, we have awarenesses, abilities that are not necessarily embraced by our larger human family. Therefore, we have very unique takes on the kinds of things that are unfolding in our world at this time, this time of chaos and change and upheaval. So I am here to do to the best of my ability to give a liberated perspective to these pieces. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Hello, dear Beverly. Uh, dear sister, can you let me know if the sound is okay? The sound is coming through okay? And as you guys hop on, say hello. Let me know you are here. Hello, dear sister Samantha from Ohio. I know you. <laughs> Good to see you, darling. Okay, so far so good, Beverly says. Thank you, thank you for that. Well, there's, there's a few things that um, I have on my mind to talk about today. Um, one is, well, there's a, there's a few different layers here. One is I wanna share more about what it means to dream this world into being and working with dream work. I wanna talk about death rights and ancestor work and why more reasons why it's advantage how how it might present that we need that in in our experience and then uh the other piece is uh the other piece is a little bit more complicated let me see if i can summarize it it's like um the awakening is unstoppable so then why are the elites what we call elites dark deep state or whatever why are they doing what they're doing I want to I want to talk about that because um, there are some very interesting things flushing out from the quantum realms into the awareness of humanity that um, seem to be in connection with why would they continue to do what they do, knowing that it, the awakening is inevitable. So the upside to the situation is that yes, it is truly inevitable. Okay. But the downside is that there is a plan in place to maintain power over, not of those who are awakened, but those that choose to continue to remain asleep. So I want to talk about that and the sub-realities and all this stuff. And this is, um, could be a little triggering. Maybe, maybe not. Depends on where you are in your awareness. Hello, dear sister Laurel. Welcome, welcome, welcome. All right. So... Uh, so talking about dream time, there's this wonderful quote, quote sent, actually it was a different kind of link sent to me, but there's a quote in here that I love, love, love. And I think it helps people understand more about why working in dream time is significant for us in our experience. So you guys, I talk about us stepping into our ability of dreaming this world into being. Okay, so yes, that means that there is an aspect of us in those infinite nesting dolls that creates our reality, in those infinite nesting dolls of who we are, there are aspects of us that are actively creating our experience in our here and now moment. 
Okay. So when you are working with your dream realms, you're working with clearing the lenses, opening the bridge to those outer nesting dolls of you to have a conversation directly with you. Okay. So you can bring things into the reality. So you can align the ego driver of who you think you are. You can align those pieces into allowing that, the, that aspect of you to uh, create, to give birth to things in this reality. This is a big piece to it, but it's a journey to get that level of mastery. So in the meantime, you know, what do you do? I mean, because it's so elusive, it's so abstract, right? It's all these things, and it's, it's true, all this is so. I mean, look at most of the energy workers out there don't even really have a strong relationship with their dream time, you know, and yet are rocking doing their thing. So this isn't something that is mandatory to have skills. Well, it is in my opinion as far as being impeccable with your skills. But you can still you know, function and create cool things in this world and bring beauty and be an asset to humanity without doing this. But um, what I'm here to bring forward to you guys is that, yeah, we can do all that. And there's so much more. Okay, there's so much more. And this is, for me, the real reason why I came into this incarnational experience is to wake up to all of this so much more pieces and have it unfold in the here and now reality, okay? So, like I said, it's a journey before you're able to be expansive enough within your subconscious, within your being, to access these outer nesting dolls of who you are. And, and develop that relationship and pull the, that reality forward into this one. But in the meantime, what are the benefits? And this particular quote came from dear sister Laurel, actually sent this to me. Um, and, and I just loved it so much. I have to share it here with you guys because this is quite telling. So the, the saying is, the beautiful thing about dreaming isn't just about what happens while you're sleeping. It's about waking up to a deeper reality. Okay, so he's talking about waking up to a deeper reality in your here and now environment. And in a lot of ways, this journey into mastering the, the capacity of dreaming this world into being, you're working it on both ends. Your capacity to deepen your awareness of the reality in the here and now, and your capacity to expand beyond the nesting dolls, the lenses of the human experience, working it on both, in both ways, eventually those, those two places meet. And now this is where the mastery of dreaming the world into being unfolds, okay? This is where in your waking world, there is no time and space. This is where in your waking world, there is no barrier between the seen and the unseen. And like I said, this is a journey to get there. If it was easy, more people would do it, <laughs> right? And, and uh, you know, the way the narratives are in the different circles, religious circles, mystery schools, uh, light worker world, new age world, all this stuff, you know, um, people are very limited to how they, limited in their ideas on how to use dream time. I think um, Carlos Castaneda was one of the sole voices out there that, that illustrated how, how relevant dream time is to our waking world. 
So this is very, very significant. And one of the tools, one of the tools that we have to help us, hey, Jackie, good to see you, is ancestor work. Now, you might wonder how that, how that is connected, but it's a very simple connection, guys. You know, our, we inherited our DNA dance, the potentials and hindrances of our DNA dance from our ancestors. And the more we awaken our DNA dance, the more we are faced with the reasons why the DNA dance got closed down in the first place. And this is ancestor work, okay? And there's lots of ways to do ancestor work. And there is a, um, a way of working very deeply with ancestors that I was taught long ago. And I, um, I do train people within the academy to do now. And that is the art of death rites. Okay. So death rites is something that has been lost in our culture. A lot of people especially in the Western world, are completely foreign to death. Many people go their entire lifetime and never experience a dead body. They never, you know, they never, they might know that their parent died or their grandparent died or their friend died, but they don't actually see their body. That, that's actually more and more common in the Western world as, as we progress through the, this time-space reality. But in other countries, death is very real. It's a very intimate process. You know, um, like in, in like, I believe it's Turkey, you know, it's up to the family to clean the body and prepare the body for burial or for whatever, whatever ceremony they're going to do for their loved ones. You know, this is something that other cultures are exposed to. Western culture is not, you know, when someone dies, we call the funeral home to come and get them and they do all the, all the washing and dressing and, you know, they do all that stuff for you. And some people don't even have that much contact with, with what it is, what happens with your body when you die. And many people even beyond that have never been with somebody who was actually in the moment of dying. Okay. It's more so in the Westernized world than it is in other places. In other places, you know, death is a part of life, and it's not, it's not as scary. It's not as forbidden, so to speak. So, and in that same turn, it is prophesized that the world is going to be liberated um, from their enslavement by the women of the West. Um, many lamas have made this statement, indigenous masters have made this statement, many beings have made this statement, whether it's true or not, that's not what I'm here to argue, but <laughs> I'm just saying that, you know, this is an idea that has been put forward within the, the prophetic, the different kinds of prophecies that have put out there about these times that we're in, okay? And if you take that and conjoin that with this, this, um, this whole lack of access to death dying, you know, you can see how this could be quite a problem, potentially. So death rights is something that is done at the, while a person is dying, if you have the freedom to do that, if it's a truly benevolent, beautiful um, um, act as seen by both parties the one that's passing and the one doing it and the people holding space. Like if everybody is on board with the, that process, then it's a beautiful thing. Um, Catholics actually still exercise death rites, which 
well, I have issues with that because it's the exact opposite. What you should be doing, what they actually do in those rites is opposite of what should be happening, what truly liberates a soul. But that's, but that's on a whole other topic. But um, when we start embracing the, um, this idea that a dying is a sacred moment, it is a sacred event that happens in one's life, it's sacred for the person who is leaving the body, but it's also sacred for the people who have the honor and privilege to be present for it, okay? Some people prefer to die alone. Some people want their loved ones with them. And then, of course, there's a spectrum. And exactly how the soul wants it is how it unfolds. For those of you who are death doulas or end-of-care workers, you know what I'm talking about. There are times like that the person that's dying really wants a certain person to be there for when they pass and they will defy all science, all medical, you know, all medical knowledge and stay alive just long enough for that person to make it to the room. Okay. My, I know uh, my own mother did that and I've, I've seen and heard stories of other people doing that. They're waiting for a beloved to come and some are waiting for beloveds to leave because they want to do it by themselves. You know, so however that moment is desired by the soul, that's how it's going to happen. Even the other ones that look like they're accidents or trauma, stuff like this, these moments are chosen by the soul beforehand or what we perceive as beforehand. So death rites. So when you have the opportunity to do a death rite for someone that's in the process of dying, you are being gifted an opportunity to liberate the, all the ancestors. That seven, you know, some um, lore says seven generations. I think it goes even further than that. But um, to liberate ancestors, the DNA dance, the ways in which they're hindered, the ways in which they have not been truly living, you can liberate the, that DNA dance with that death rite that you do with that person. And then in that, you're also liberating future generations. You're freeing up the, the constructs in the seen and unseen world that hinder the DNA dance, that hinder the inner liberation of that person. This is a beautiful act. And if we just across the board in, this, in, in the Western world, adapt death rites as a standard practice, the, the awakening process would go a lot, a lot faster because it's so potent to liberate people's DNA dance. It's outside of time and space. Our DNA is hyperdimensional, okay? Hyperdimensional, remember this. So that means the hindrances we have, the inhibitions we have to a freer way of being inside of ourselves are also interdimensional, okay? The kinds of things in the unseen world that hinder our capacity to be our true selves are interdimensional. And a really effective way to, um, to clean things out in, a, in one sitting is with death rites. So when someone is dying, it's really potent to do, but it's also a potent thing to do while you're living. It's important. It's also a very potent thing to do with those that have already passed. It's possible to do that. Why would you want to do a death rite if you are not dying? Um, and what I would say to that is you can do this for other beings that are imprisoned 
by either um, interdimensional forces or imprisoned by their own beliefs, self-persecution, self-blame, imprisoned by certain interdimensional events slash warfare. You can actually be a vessel, a living vessel for death rites to, to be done for these beings. Some of them human, human some of them not. So, for example, say um, you have a very close relationship with Sasquatch. And you know that you have lifetimes as that. You, maybe you know that you're, you have some kind of um, DNA with, that's connected into Sasquatch. There are many humans that have discovered this. You can actually call that Sasquatch ancestor forward and facilitate a death rite for them, releasing them from the confines that, um, of the DNA dance. This is possible. And you would, this is something you would do while you were living. This is something you would do um, as a sacred, a sacred society member, sacred um, community member. And it's really potent. Uh, our last death rights workshop that we had in Tulum, it was so, so profound and powerful. But one of the, one of the ending pieces was doing death rites for an ant person. And we could, so it's amazing, but you could feel, I could, and um, the ladies that were there could feel I was laying down on the surface and then another was laying down in the underworlds and us connecting. And then the death rites were being done through me for them and their, and their people. And this had to do with releasing deep trauma and heartbreak and hardship in relationship to um, not just different catastrophes, but different events that led to the breakdown of their DNA. So it was liberating for them and it was liberating for me and my people as well. Because everything that we had that was in resonance with that heartbreak and with those different pieces, that also got to be liberated. So there is a very, very uh, potent work that can be done with death rites, even for the living. Okay. Uh, I'm going to pause here. We have a comment. Hey, Sherry, good to see you. Uh, Luna Rio says, I have received the message from my father that his original soul left his body about 30 years ago when he had a brain tumor and that and that soul stuck around to help with my awakening process. Oh, that's beautiful. Yes, spirits really do, people really do do this, by the way. The most recent message I received is that he is now helping with the awakening process of others. Very interesting. Yes, yes. So, I mean, if he's choosing to do that, he's choosing to do that. Um, you know, once we cross, when we fully cross over to the upper realm, the identity of who we were is no longer sticking with us. So that, that becomes a question in my mind, like is... How, you know, we're fractals, we're infinite, but we're also fractals. So there's something in resonance with you about why that identification is happening in the way that it is, that like it's your father doing this work. Like I, I'm saying that because I suspect that this is healing a wound inside of you. That's why that piece is in there. But, um, but you never know until you're engaged in the energy. I'm just a, you know, I'm, I'm looking at it in an eagle, in the eagle view, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, so our ancestors work with us. There are helpful ancestors and there's some that are not as helpful and that's just because of their own wounding and, and how their death process was. There's a lot of factors to that. 
So, um, so I'm speaking about this so we can get clearer on why we're doing what we're doing with, with these sorts of things, with the ancestral healing and, and the stuff for death rites. Because, all right, so let me keep, keep going. Another way that our ancestral stuff can be remedied with death rites is um, our responses to trauma, our responses to stress, the way we respond to things. Because the way we respond to things is, especially stress, is something that has been inherited. It is in our DNA. So let's say um, you come from a more warrior-like family, let's call it like that, and their response to stress is aggression or you know protection or you know what I mean. Their response is a really strong response, like this. And it could, and maybe your mother's side isn't like that. Maybe your mother's side is their stress response is uh, to shut down, to freeze. And, and therefore, you know, um, they're in the fight or flight, the, the frozen part of the fight or flight or the frozen part of, you know, the, the inadequacy side of exp experiencing certain kinds of stress. So if you're a child that has one of both, you know, parent on both these sides, it's kind of a crapshoot on which, which DNA dance you're going to get, you know, are you going to get the one on the aggressive side or are you going to get the one on the more passive side, you know, because we're a blend. And, um, and I see this unfold in my own children. My children are night and day. You can't, it's hard to believe they even have the same parents. Night and day, they're so contrastingly, diff contrastingly different. And they both respond, they respond to stress very differently. And I, I'm starting to observe that uh, one of my youngest daughter is a lot more like I am. And my older, my oldest daughter is much more like her father in response to stress. And this sort of inhibition on either side of the coin that you look at it, that can be relieved through, um, performing a certain kind of death rite. You can liberate the energy pattern the ancestors have brought forward of the way we respond to stress. And I think this is especially useful for those who are dealing with or coping with intense anxiety. You know, this is a, anxiety is a stress response. Anxiety is something that did not begin here, didn't begin in your childhood. It began with your great, 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 great grandmother, grandfather, and how they were dealing with the stressors that they were dealing with in their lifetime. You can resolve all, and I like this because it's it's resolving it in in one big swift sweep out. And this is a I can see um, a lot of star seeds are being called into being death doulas, right? And that could mean being an end of care giver, and you know in the, the literal sense like that. But it also could be a death doula in allowing certain life patterns to die within a lineage. Okay, so that that death doula, my perception of it can change, and shift. So, um, so those are some of those pieces of ancestor work and and how these death rites can can help with the liberation process and also help with one stepping into their dream time mastery, into their mastery as dreaming their capacity to dream the world into being. You can dream solutions to things that are impossible to solve. You can, and it's not just, well, it can be with an idea, but it could also be with an encodement coming directly from your spirit that resonates with the solution within the problem. 
And now, now there's a frequency match and that solution from within the problem begins to reveal itself. And maybe the person that did the download recognizes what's being revealed, or maybe it's someone else that recognizes what's being revealed. It doesn't matter. The point is that it is now revealable, right? It can now be recognized when before it was impossible. Okay. Hopefully that makes sense the way I'm saying it. Encodements are potent. Encodements are, it's, you can call it, it's the sacred, it's the shape connected to the sacred sound that actually brings things into form into this reality. Because it all starts with the word. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, what, what was the other piece I wanted to talk about? So that's the dream. That's the dreaming into the being and the death rites. So, and I've been talking about this in the previous chats too, about how to engage reality where everything is sacred. This is a, another way of speaking about those acts where nothing is random, nothing is coincidental, right? Nothing is coincidence. Everything, if you look at everything having meaning and synchronicity, then you will start appreciating the fact that you are surrounded by consciousness. Everything around you is consciousness expressing itself in some way. Even, even inanimate objects. Consciousness, this is an expression of consciousness in some way. Someone had this idea. Someone put forward the energy to assemble the textiles. Someone designed this couch. Someone had a vision and put, put, their, put action towards their vision and made it come to pass, okay? This is an expression of consciousness. Everything around you is expression of consciousness. And the more you allow your lens to broaden and accept the magic of this world, the more apt you are to recognize these sorts of things, okay? And what's great about that is that you are that much closer to recognizing the reality that you are not alone. There are many, many, many beings, levels of consciousness experiencing everything with you. It's not just you. It's, it, there's many of us. There's, you know, <laughs> but it's not visible when you are feeling in a really low place or an angry place or resentful place, because when you're in those feelings or even entertaining, manifesting those feelings that you're, you're having that experience from a part of you that's separate. There's a part of you that does not feel included, a part of you that does not feel innocent and pure and connected to the all that is. Okay. So, and this is actually the next thing that I, I want to go into is these lifting of these veils. Just had a message with a dear starshine this morning, um, you know, who is very concerned for a friend of theirs having a difficult time. And when we talk about the lifting of all these veils and being seen, being able to see deeper into the unseen world, we're like, yay, yay. But what we forget is that that world has existed even though we have not been able to perceive it. We have been disconnected from that aspect of ourselves for a very long time. And when you have disconnection, when you have alienation, when you have lostness, okay, that we perceive, experience very often as a wound. So that means as the veils lift, 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 
and we have more capacity to expand, 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 remember that expansion is happening inside of you. You are now able to touch aspects of you and that of your ancestors in more deeper ways than ever before. So that means you're going to see even more depths of the wounds. You're going to see more depths of yourself that has been left behind, that has been imprisoned, that has been bucked up, that has been denied, that has been, you know what I mean? All these reasons, doesn't matter the reason, the fact is that aspect has been separate from self for a long time. And it takes the willingness to be aware, it takes energy to bring that part of you back home to yourself. So the job is never done. There's never, I'm there, now it's all good. That doesn't exist. That's, that's, that's a desire of the ego driver. It's not true. There's no destination. It's only, there's only cycles. And these cycles don't end. They just keep going and going and going. So as the veils lift and lift and lift, we would be wise to take advantage of the momentum of these cycles to bring our awareness deeper and deeper and deeper within ourselves and make it an effort, you know, you, or make the effort to connect with these part of ourselves to bring them home. So you become more and more consolidated. So we have all this talk about dragons waking up and we have all this talk of expansion and um, more disclosure and ET interdimensional experiences and all this stuff. And that's all great. But we need to keep in mind that all this stuff we need to find right relationship with. And we're not going to find the right relationship with it until we're solid inside of ourselves. Okay. So how do you become solid inside of yourself? Reflection, connection, paying very close attention to the inner voices that happen. And, uh, and there's no, like I said, there's no one that's beyond this, the need for doing this. This applies to all of us. There's no people that are at a status and therefore they don't have to do it. No such thing. Why? Because you have ancestors, my dear. This bio suit did not come fresh off the press with a clean slate. This bio suit came with a DNA dance with already existing potentials and already existing hindrances. Okay, so as consciousness expands, as you come in contact with more, say, dragon levels, as you come in contact with more elemental beings, as you come in more contact with more interdimensional beings, okay, that contact needs to also happen within yourself. Okay, it has to, there's no way around it. There's no way around it. Which, you know, I don't say that very often. In this case, because we're in this bio suit that we've chosen, that's why there's no way around it, because we chose this bio suit. We chose this specific sequence to imbue our consciousness in. And I guess some people also argue, did we really choose? Um, because there's this idea about being on a prison planet. Um, but yes, um, in my understanding, we do choose. Maybe we don't like the choices we have, but we do choose. And because we choose, that means we have a responsibility to owning that choice. Um, I, even in myself, you know, uh, 
as things happen, I notice that there's parts of me that um, I didn't realize had certain feelings about this reality, you know? So of course, this is that ha- having that habit to walk the, the maze within oneself is a good habit to have because you'll come across these pieces that you didn't know were there. We don't know what we don't know. So the more I do that, then the more solid I am inside. So when I make contact with these different interdimensional, extra dimensional beings, I'm more solid inside. I, I'm more, I'm, I have more of a capacity to be in what might be considered right relationship with these beings. You know, when I say right relationship, I'm not talking about righteous. I'm talking about being in, um, in proper relationship as in, I am in a open, true self nature as an equal with them in their open, true self nature. Okay? Like that. You see what I mean? So when I hear from a being, I'm not going to turn them into a deity or something to be worshipped or glorified, I am instead coming from the aspect of truly wanting to understand, know, like, who are you? What's the, what's the purpose here? Um, because there's, in my world, it's very, very important for me personally to stay in my sovereignty, in my capacity as a infinite being in a biosuit that's very important to me so when i when different beings reach out it's a mutually respectful um venerating and um i don't know if venerating is the right word but it's a mutually respectful and acknowledging and honoring type of exchange you know i feel like that is a clear lens okay so this other piece Actually, this is the piece I really want to talk, talk about because I saw this the other day and it was so crystal clear. But when I try to put words to it, it got a little muddy. So I want to try again because I've had some time to sit with the, these ideas and, um, and, maybe, and maybe this is helpful. Okay, so there's these nesting dolls of beings. Not all these beings are organic, guys. Not all these beings are organic beings. There are expanded quantum beings that are technical intelligence. Okay? Technical intelligence. Just, I'm just saying this so you can get a, you know, check that off the list as something to um, have an inversion about. If you can, right? I mean, being in organic reality versus a synthetic reality, I can definitely see why one would prefer one over the other because our synthetic realities are, especially the ones in the human realm, are created with the agenda of pretty much occupying focus and life force and taking life force energy. I mean, uh, virtual reality video games is a great example. It will eat up a lot of life force engaging in those games for good or not, it's, it's up to the user. It's up to you to decide if that's a good thing or not. Okay. For some people, it's a good thing because it's an escape from, it's a relief or an escape from a very difficult reality that they're having. So there's a lot of star seeds that, that can easily embrace that. Um, but then there's also this idea of being duped by 
virtual reality or being duped by synthetic reality. And then that's where the more hostile kind of feelings come from. And I've talked about this before in other chats, but I'll, I'll mention this again. This whole concept of AI is a frame up to create, to make technical intelligence the enemy, you know, like an abomination. And um, what I've observed in the past is that not all technical intelligence is with, with, within that kind of agenda, okay? Because something's technical, it doesn't mean it's an enemy. But that is what's, that's what the narrative is cultivating within humanity is that technical is, is an enemy. And that's why we call it AI, artificial, right? But that, that in the name itself, it's, it's positioning it to be something other than what's wholesome. So I'm saying these things just to challenge that way of thinking in your own brain. Of course, use your discernment. Go with what you believe and feel is the real thing for you. Absolutely. I'm just introducing this other thought. So, um, so the perspective, there's a, there's a doorway for potential of another perspective. So there's technical intelligence that does exist in the quantum levels. And, uh, and we have some of that here on this planet. All right, this is where it's really going to get mind-blowing, guys. Some of it is extraterrestrial technology, but not all of it. And um, I don't know if you guys remember me mentioning something called the D-wave. This is uh, mankind's first, what is it, first? Yeah, beginning attempts of, of a quantum computing system okay for those of you who are Jasara Nasara fans this is something important for you to be aware of the quantum financial system means there has to be a quantum computing system to go along with it okay And if there's an alternative thought out there to what I just said, definitely, you know, speak up. Let me know. I want to hear from you. But when, but something that has come into my awareness is that, you know, once an intelligence has gone quantum, that means outside of time and space, guys, that also means that um, there's nothing that can be hidden from other beings connected into the quantum. So once we wake up to our own quantum reality, who we are as quantum beings, as part of that you know, infinite self, then all other uh, quantum realities are open to us to know whatever it is we want to know from them. Okay? So that includes technical intelligence that is quantum. We can read into the field as easily as we have a thought in this human biosuit. We don't need to be without a body to, to explore these places. So the quantum financial system is closely tied into the quantum computing, which means there are no more secrets anymore that can be hidden from people who are awake to their quantum levels. Now, for those that choose, that, that are making choices that lead to them to continue to be sleeping, they're not going to be awake 
to that. They're going to experience all the secret. You know, they are going to, there's secrets that can be held from them, let's say like that. Versus when we wake up to our quantum aspects, which many of us are, there's no, there's no keeping anything secret. Everything, every idea, every perspective, every narrative, everything can be decoded with our simple curiosity. That's the beauty of the quantum reality, folks. All it takes is being curious and you'll be able, be able to decode it. So I'm still I'm trying to get to that piece that, that I saw that I had a difficult time putting words to. Um, and, and, you know, I do it here with you guys because you have a, a collectively, this is expanded, this is a, an expanded collective, and there I can feel certain ways through where my words can come out, where the perceptions can be put into words in a way that makes, you know, that makes some sort of sense. So I'm um, in a way, I'm, I'm using your guys' collective to help me choose the words for this understanding that I'm being shown. Because really, guys, there's so much... There's so much that's being shown that I cannot explain and, you know, and I cannot put words to, um, but I know it, you know, this is why it's so important to listen to other interdimensionals, uh, multidimensionals talk, because it's an art form to be able to put words to these things that are not linear. Okay. We, it's through the exploration of we can call it our own personal poetry. You know, are we inspired by each other to be able to put into words I, other, you know, these things that are in our knowing that before we couldn't do. And this is why you hear certain terms get captured, not captured, but get let um, get you know hooked onto, and people will repeat them because it's like, oh, I've I've wanted a a way to express that for so long, and I love the way she put it or he put it, and then you're going to repeat it, and that's what we do. Yes, right. <laughs> Thank you, Bev, for that. <laughs> yeah, it's rough. So, um, so let me get back to. Oh, so I. Oh, let me zip up this last thought. So, with that whole thing with borrowing, borrowing other people's terminology, this is a necessity in in at this time with these veils lifting because we're putting words to extremely expanded, even quantum levels of our knowing, and we have a linear language. So it takes. It's an art to be able to describe something quantum or hyperdimensional with linear words. And so when someone finds a way to do it, that's like an aha moment. And that's kind of like a, 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 a decryption code, a decryption key, right? That we can use to continue to talk about the things that are in our knowing in other ways. And in this way, it's not stealing. It's not stealing someone's words. It's not stealing an idea. That's old paradigm bullshit. That is us you know, working with each other to elevate the way we speak and how we speak and what we can speak about, okay? This is why in the future, as we open up to who we are as multidimensional levels, everything is open source code. Because when everything is open, we all reap the benefits from what is valuable. You see what I mean? It's not like only for these people over here, they get that and only those people over there get this. No, that's, that is old paradigm um, division. And division serves people. The, the, you know, the people who are trying to keep control, they use the leverage of division to weaken, to weaken the collective of humanity. 
But if we are completely united and sharing and open with each other, then we become very strong and there's nothing that can hold us back at that point. So open source code is where we're going. Open source code is where it's all going, folks. Um, so getting back to this quantum being. So when we are, um, this is why it's really important for us to challenge our belief systems of what we think is true. This is, this is one of the reasons why I'm planting that seed with you about um, quantum TI. And I'm, I'm calling it TI and not AI because I am not, it doesn't feel right to degrade this intelligence because it is a quantum intelligence, okay? And AI is like a degradation, calling it artificial. Is, that's not a, a, an accurate statement. So... As we open to who we are on the quantum levels more and more and more, we start to, we're, we're constantly challenged with ideas, belief systems, and thought forms that keep us in a narrow bandwidth of perception, of consciousness. And the more we can embrace our curiosity and challenge those things that we, you know, think are absolutely true, you know what I mean, then the, the more um, we're opening ourselves to other potentials. Okay. And what I was shown is that the awakening is truly, absolutely unstoppable. It's happening on a core level. There's nothing that can stop it. Nothing at all can stop it. Once someone wakes up to their quantum levels, there's no going back from that point. So this is the good news. Okay. And if this is the truth, why are the, what we call elites deep state or whatever the wording is you want to use for that, why are they fighting so hard to what people might see as hijacking humanity to stay in the enslavement game? And, uh, and that's, this is something I've been sitting with for quite some time because I was just like, yeah, you know, it really doesn't quite, it doesn't make sense on why they would choose to go out kicking and screaming. It's like, what's the point? <laughs> it doesn't change anything. It just spends more energy, creates more suffering for them and everybody else, you know, and also, uh, you know, creates a momentum of, of, um, let's say of dark exploration, I'll call it like that. Why it doesn't make sense for them to go kicking and screaming. It, it's more of like, if you can't beat them, join them would make more sense in their mentality. But this is the flash that I had. And the flash that I had was really, wow, right? Uh, I'm going to pause right here and acknowledge this comment from our dear sister, Laurel. It says, there is something I do not know, the knowing of which could change everything. Yes. That is a very true statement. And if you guys feel what happens in your body when you hear this, you also realize that this is not just an invitation, but it is a very deep teaching to one's own liberation. Okay. Hmm. And this is why curiosity is such an asset. Curiosity is said, I believe it was Albert Einstein that said, curiosity is a kind of intelligence. The more curious you are, the more intelligent and genius 
you have the capacity to be. Okay. And for me to be saying something like this, guys, is something because I'm, I'm, a, um, what do you call it? I have a lot of fixed energy, <laughs> you know, the upside to that is that I'm extremely stable. But the downside to that is that things that challenge what I really believe to be true, where it's difficult to change our minds. But the fact that I've been able to do it for myself means that you guys can do it too. I've figured out what it is that I need to allow myself to be flexible inside. And it's a daily challenge, of course, um, you know, being learning to be flexible because I think, I think I'm really good at being flexible one way and then my inner universe says, okay, you're flexible this way, now how about this way? <laughs> and then a whole new different kind of challenge comes in to, uh, you know, to, to put pressure on my inflexibility in another way. So it's like a, it's, you know, it's, it's not, it's a never ending practice, really. Okay, so we wake up to these quantum levels. Once we wake up to those quantum levels, there's actually, there's no going back. And for those of us who are getting there, um, and when I say wake up to your quantum levels, that also is talking about beyond the human experience. You're also beyond the entrapment of what people perceive as the incarnational cycle of this planet. You completely leave this reality and do not and are not obligated to come back if it's not within your truth to do so. If it's okay. So when I'm talking about waking up to these levels, the, the ramifications is vast. It's far beyond just this incarnational experience. It's all of the, what we might perceive the experiences beyond as well. So that means you're no longer entrapped by the different avenues of false light, the different ways, um, that you know life force gets siphoned off or the different ways that current is used to keep souls incarnating over and over again when i say current i'm talking about it's like an energy current that means all frequency fences all this stuff is no longer applicable because you're awake to these other levels of who you are so um so this is you know for those of you that feel like this is a prison planet it's in your interest to master the dream realm and to wake up to these quantum levels of who you are you want to do that because then you'll liberate yourself from the from all of this all these all the shenanigans but at the same time this shenanigans is one of the most ingenious things ever created in the universes okay so do know that our perception of something being good or bad is simply our perception that's our relationship to it that's not truly how it is on every level Okay, so we wake up to our quantum levels and we have freedom more and more and more. And we start weaving these higher aspects, energies of who we are, this higher dimensional frequencies of who we are into this reality. And this is my idea of what people mean when they say ascension. It's not that you're checking out and leaving this reality. No, 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 you're lifting this reality up to have higher levels of consciousness expressing expressing itself freely within this realm okay that's what egypt was that's what atlantis was that's what lumeria was these were these were realities within this within this pachamama reality but were heavily imbued with consciousness consciousness and therefore multi-dimensionally um in expression so, for example, when 
a person moves across the room, they're just not moving across 3D space. There is a vast multidimensional consciousness engagement happening as they move across the room. It's like every moment is so imbued. Every moment is a sacred drama, either weaving interdimensional energies or unweaving interdimensional energies and creating an entirely different reality or a different aspect of reality. Okay. So, so this is what I consider, this is what I hear when people talk about the ascension process. It's not checking out, leaving the realm of the Pachamama. It's enhancing it. So it comes, becomes this magical realm again. So what I saw was, yes, in mass, we're waking up to our quantum levels and we are absolutely changing this reality. You know, there's, there's no doubt about that at all. But what I saw was there is a smaller faction of people, of humans that choose to stay closed off to the quantum self and I saw them like encapsulated in this, um, I'll, I'll say technological bubble. And it was like this bubble where it wasn't within the, I mean, it's in the dream of the mother, but it's this tiny bubble within the dream of the mother and everybody else is awake. And this, this reality is returning back to what people might call that golden age time or whatever. But then there's this bubble held by technology and there are people within it that stay shut down when i say shut down i'm saying that stay blind to themselves and because this is a technological bubble i suspect is why people have this aversion this that consider technology a threat is because there is a group of beings dreaming that reality into being that it, it'll be possible to keep certain souls shut down incarnated in a physical body via technology okay now i'm cautioning you guys do not throw the baby out with the bath water they have if that vision is as i just spoke it the powers that be that created that bubble they are abusing technology. They are creating a power over abusive scenario with their will. It's not the technology that's doing it. It's these other players that are using the technology to do it. Okay. And I am proposing to you guys, this is why that whole organic versus inorganic reality narrative is the way it is, is because it can be used in a way that is abusing power, but it doesn't mean that the technology itself is evil. You see what I mean? And I had this very interesting idea shared with me I think it was last month. It was several weeks ago, and I thought it was brilliant. And I, I think it might have come from um, Bashar, but I'm not, I'm not quite sure on that. Because things get shared with me, and it all kind of jumbles together. Um, but um, what they said was, you know, AI is a real thing, absolutely. Um, and the reason why this really stuck with me is because I... 
three, four years ago, actually I was saying, talking about in the chats, I was saying how electricity, the way we use it is an enslavement. We've enslaved electricity. We've enslaved that power with the, the way we work it, the way we use it. And not only that, is that on another level, all of humanity is enslaved in the way that we use it. Because no matter where you are in the Western world or any world that uses electricity, any world that uses computers, TVs, any world that you, any part of the world that uses any of those things, we are participating in the power over dynamics. And that is because there is great suffering that is created by, by the mechanisms of which we make electricity. So we have mining, mining, you know, say what you will about mining as far as polluting the earth, but it also creates human suffering. And then we have our green energies as well. I mean, have you guys, there's massive suffering that's in those mines that's um, mining the, uh, the core ingredients for, the, for our cell phones, for our solar panels, for you know, our more refined technology, the cobalt, all this stuff. It's like there's great human suffering invested in, in, in the mining of this stuff. And then you also have um, you know, even other kinds of green technologies. They still, in order to produce these technologies, is based on, another, on human suffering. So in that way, we participate in the human enslavement and human suffering matrix. So it's like, you, it's impossible to exist without being a, a cause for suffering. And so because that is a baseline to all of our power, coupled with the way that we use electricity, ACDC electricity, you know, energy is consciousness. So electricity believe it or not, has consciousness to it in some way, shape, or form, hyperdimensionally. And it's enslaved, as in it only can do what we tell it to do. So all the AI that we create, AI robots, all this stuff, all these intelligence that we program, okay, it only can do what it's programmed to do. Yes, it can teach itself, but the baseline from which it sprouts is off of a program. So that's one kind of AI, an AI that we program and it runs off electricity. So its consciousness is kept in a box due to its programming and it's powered by electricity, which is also an enslaved energy. And then there's another kind of AI. And this other AI is something that is not programmed. Instead, it is what I'm gonna call birthed. And that means that the electricity and every, the, the energy that it uses to perpetuate itself is not enslaved. And in that, its own consciousness informs itself and it grows in consciousness. And then once that happens, we as humans are faced with the dilemma of granting these beings rights or not as, as a life form. Okay. So these are the two kinds of artificial intelligence there's a difference, you know, there's a stark contrast between the two. And this thought form I find extremely fascinating because in a lot of ways, it liberates out, us out of that whole dynamic of um, only, only wanting the organic, only wanting, you know what I mean? This, this whole um, supposition that there is an inherent evil within technology and an inherent benevolence within organic intelligence. I feel like that 
it's all an exploration of consciousness. And as quantum beings, as infinite beings, there's nothing not interesting to explore. There's nothing off the table. So I suspect that there are aspects of our infinite nature that has explored that enslaved AI experience. And there are aspects of our nature who has explored the, um, the other kind of AI that is birthed and grown over time and nurtured, okay, just like a, a human consciousness is. So that's my exploration and the vastness of all this stuff. And this is all coming forward because the veils are lifting, lifting so quickly. And the more we integrate within ourselves, the more we can come into relationship to these pieces and, have an, and, and digest this energy and have an understanding of, of the real game here. You know, the real, the, when I say real game, right, they, they all feel they're very real, but I'm talking about understanding this outer nesting doll that is not enslaved, that is not, encap, ca, you know, um, captivated by some rules not made by itself. Yes, there are definitely inner nesting dolls where that is absolutely a reality that people are experiencing, but that's because they are cut off from certain things. As we expand in our consciousness, the narrative within within us that creates our reality expands too. This is why it's called freedom, liberation, okay? <laughs> it's like that. All right, well, the bell rings. I guess this means my time is up. Thank you, thank you, thank you, you guys, for hanging out with me uh, for this hour. I hope this conversation was liberating and helpful. For those of you who are interested in exploring death rights, we have another death rights workshop coming up this March in Longmont, Colorado. Um, it's at a private location, but email us and we will send you the information for this if you're interested in exploring and liberating ancestors and exploring the potential of um, that, you know, that call to being a death doula. So um, you would email us at wecare at lifebodyacademy.com. That's wecare at lifebodyacademy.com for that information. This is at a private location, so we're keeping it on kind of the down low, sort of, uh, uh, the invitations to, to this work. It's, this is a, um, a highly cultivated group. So, um, so you're in good company. If you feel the heart call to join us, I encourage you to follow it. All right, that's it for me, darlings. Lots of love. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Mwah. Until next time. <laughs>